Now, he really just got me. He knew that travel was my love language, and it was the ultimate way that he could motivate me as an employee. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Corporate Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Zuzek. Now, this pod is your dedicated time for growth, for developing practical tools to use with your team and other relationships, and to learning deeply about who you are and what makes you tick. Because who you are, let's face it, is brilliant and powerful, and I want you to invest more time reflecting on who you are being, not just what you are doing. I mean, come on, doing is awesome, but being, well, that's where the magic happens and what makes you feel truly fulfilled. One of the most common requests that I get from leaders is that they want their teams to work harder. They don't want to make any changes themselves. Oh, no. And they don't want to do anything different, but they want their employees to be more engaged and deliver more. I hear it all the time. Julie, you know, I don't want to do any of that, like, touchy-feely stuff or change anything, but I just want to get my team to deliver more. Can you help me with that? Well, I find this really strange because, A, I love me some touchy-feely stuff. That's what I'm all about, as you know. And secondly, as a leader, part of your responsibility is to be involved with your team. So how can you possibly get them to change their behavior without you being involved in some way? As a leader, it's always important to be authentic. But this actually isn't the biggest mistake that I see leaders make. The big mistake that I want to talk about is when people try to motivate their employees with financial incentives. You see, many studies have proven that employees don't actually respond to financial incentives, and it can actually have the opposite impact that we want it to. For example, the London School of Economics has found that financial incentives can actually demotivate employees and have the opposite impact that we want them to have. So let's see how this played out with Amanda. Amanda had a very aggressive career goal, and she had many conversations with her boss over the years about her vision of building out a team and getting to the next level of being a manager. And when she brought this up with her manager, he was kind of dismissive about the whole thing. He said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll get back to you by the next promotion cycle. But he never really did. But this was a really important goal to her. She trusted him and just assumed that because he made that promise that he would follow through on it. Now, this, my friends, is a heartbreaking mistake that I see over and over and over again. We assume that promotions will just happen because we want them or because we feel like we deserve them. 
And I wish we lived in a world where promotions were just handed out like that to people who really deserved them, who wanted them, who were ready for them. But sadly, we don't live in that world. Now, there are a few large organizations that are set up with the infrastructure of HR where they take initiatives like this, but it's very rare. So if you want a promotion, it's up to you to initiate it and make it happen. Long story short, when it came for time for Amanda to be promoted, she actually wasn't put in the promotion cycle, and she was really disappointed. Recognizing this, her boss put a proposal forward to top up her salary with some stock options as well. And although she was really flattered about this initiative, she was also really disappointed and she felt like money wasn't what she was after. It was about furthering her career. And so she felt like her boss wasn't really listening to her. So Amanda said that she appreciated the salary offer, but it wasn't something that she was after. And she made many attempts over the two months to have this conversation with her boss to level set and really get clear on what she wanted because he didn't understand it, obviously. But he didn't make himself available to meet with her, and he didn't make it a priority. And in the meantime, while Amanda's boss was off with his head in the sand somewhere else, Amanda received a call from a recruiter offering her exactly what she wanted, a leadership role getting her to the next level of her career and managing a team. Now, when her boss found out about this opportunity, he said, oh, well, I'll just offer her even more money for her to stick around and be incented to stay. But it was too late. Amanda was already committed to this new role and the new team and the new leader and had met with them many times and felt greatly appreciated. Twice he had made the mistake of trying to motivate her with money, and both times it failed. He was severely out of touch with his team, specifically Amanda, and what they wanted, and it backfired on him. So bottom line here with Amanda was that you can't just throw money at problems to fix them. We have to understand what our team wants and what drives them specifically. Okay, so let's wrap up this segment one here. Bottom line, money is not the number one motivator for everyone in all situations. You have to know your team, you have to know what they want, and you have to be ready to motivate them with the appropriate incentives. Okay, welcome to segment two where we actually dive into AMP. Now, this is a three-letter acronym uh, that stands for Autonomy, Mastery, and Purpose. And I want to be clear here because we've recently talked about models quite a bit. AMP isn't a model. It's just an acronym that stands for three different words. It was developed by Dan Pink, who was the author of many books, including Drive and To Sell as Humans. Here's an insider tip, though. If you want to learn just about this concept of AMP, you can go right to his TED Talk. 
called The Puzzle of Motivation. Just in case, you know, you don't have the bandwidth to read a whole new book this week. So let's break down each element of the AMP. Autonomy is the urge to direct our own lives. M, mastery, is the desire to get better and better at something that matters. And purpose is the yearning to do what we do in service of something larger than ourselves. So basically what he's saying is that money is not the be-all and end-all to engage our team. We need to look at these three components for our team members. Think about autonomy. It's the opposite of micromanagement, which is one of the biggest complaints that I hear from employees all the time, that they feel frustrated because they feel micromanaged. They don't have the space or the ability to do anything on their own, to be creative, to try new ideas. They don't feel like their ideas are being seen or heard. So this leads them to not feeling valued or appreciated in the workplace. So each day you make a colossal investment at work, right? And you want to make sure that the investment that you're making is being appreciated. How many hours of every day do you spend working? It's likely that you spend more time on work than you do in any other aspect of your life, especially if you have a full-time job. So you want to know that the time that you're investing is being invested wisely, that it's being appreciated, and I totally respect that. When I think to jobs that I've had in the past, I've always enjoyed the ones where I've had lots of space to do my own thing, to express my creativity, uh, to have workspace to do the things that I want to do. One of the best quotes that I've ever heard from a manager was, I'm going to give you enough rope, Julie, to hang yourself. Now, the meaning of this quote is valuable. The actual words used are morbid, I confess. I'm the first one to admit that. But it really gets a point across. And I wish he had picked a different way to say it, but the intention of what he meant was there. And I knew exactly what he meant. And what translated through was, I trust you. I know that you're mature enough to do what you need to do. And it was amazing to see the level of productivity that happened at that company. People had a do-whatever-it-takes attitude and always got things done. There was no checking in on us to see if we were working. We just did the work. And I have to say, hands down, that it was the most productive company I've ever worked at. It had the highest levels of ownership. I sincerely hope that at some point in your career, you have the opportunity to work at a company like that. Okay, so that's what I want to say about autonomy. Let's take a step closer to mastery now. Mastery is the desire to get better at something that matters. Now that's important. I'll say it again. Mastery is the desire to get better at something that matters. The important part of this definition is the that matters part. Because it's not just improving in general. It's not just about getting better at something, something you don't want to do, something you don't believe in, or something that doesn't align with your values. 
progress in a direction that you don't want to go isn't really actually progress. It's just like moving rocks around or chasing your tail around in a circle really fast like the Tasmania devil. So the fulfillment part comes from true mastery, and that is the doing things that you love, not things that just suck your soul. And when we improve at that, the things that matter to us, that align with what we believe in, this is what makes us inspired and motivated, the ultimate formula for employee motivation. So that is the second aspect of AMP, mastery. The third component of AMP, purpose, and we talk about purpose a lot, I do anyways. Purpose is the yearning to do what we do in the service of something larger than ourselves. Again, purpose is the yearning to do something that we do in the service of something larger than ourselves. This is so core to who we are and why books like Start With Why are such critical reading material for us. The significance of the something bigger than ourselves is that we need to visualize what we are growing into so that we have a personal level of expansion to move towards. This is part of the continual improvement process. We need to be up-leveling and bringing in new information at all times. And we need to know that we can't expand if we just sit around and do the same thing all the time. Purpose is about doing something new and something that is inspirational. Okay, so let's wrap up this second segment by defining the three components of AMP. Again, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Autonomy is the urge to direct our own lives. Mastery is the desire to get better and better at something that matters. And purpose is the yearning to do what we do in service of something that is larger than ourselves. Okay, I promised to share the motivational model that I give to my clients, and here it is. So the context is that this isn't a standalone tool or resource. It's actually part of my relationship design tool that I share with leaders to use their team. So this is one aspect of the model. is about ordering things and putting them in um, importance. So relationship design, the tool that I use at the start of the relationship, sets up the norms of how we want to work with other people. It's a powerful tool. It outlines working styles. And one of the most important aspects of the relationship design is that we have a piece in there on employee motivation. Because leaders often come out and ask me, how do I motivate my employees? Because they don't know all the aspects of what specifically motivates them. And I tell them the simple truth. The easiest way to motivate your employees is to have a conversation with them and ask them what motivates them. I know it's a pretty complex concept, isn't it? But it's true. And this is a situation where an open-ended conversation probably won't serve you. 
So what you can do is you can take this list of four different items to your team member and ask them to rank them in order of importance. Now, here's my suggested four items that you can use. One, having an impact. Two, personal growth and development. Three, salary and bonus. Four, advancement and title. So ask your employee to rank these items in order of importance for them. Remember, there's no right or no wrong. By no means is this an extensive list. It's just a starting point. And it's simply about understanding what is important to them. The order of their list might be different than your list, and that's okay. This is about a process of understanding what makes them tick. And what make, that makes them tick might not make you tick, and that's fine. I remember years ago being given this gift of appreciation, and the person, uh, it's important to note, was female. So she bought me one of these charm bracelets. Now, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was some sort of retail chain that we had here in Canada in the malls. And their mall model was you go out and you buy a bracelet, and then every special occasion you come back to the store and you buy a special charm to add to the bracelet until it weighs approximately 10 pounds. And then, I'm just kidding. And then you feel like people can hear you jangling whenever you enter any room. Now, she had one of these charm bracelets. She loved it. It was everything to her. But if anyone knows even a little bit about me, they know that I'm a minimalist, and this isn't a gift that aligns with who I am at all, which is why I was so shocked when I received it in the first place. But the interesting thing was she had one, she loved it, and she kept buying them for everyone she knows. So that's a perfect example of someone buying something that is not aligned with who I am. I felt like they didn't take the time to really think about what was important or valuable to me. So I'll contrast this with another example, one of my favorite examples, of a boss who knew exactly who I was and how to motivate me. So whenever we would finish a great event, a launch party, a campaign, he would always proudly come up to me and say, well, that was phenomenal. I want you to get on the phone tomorrow, contact the travel agent, and book yourself a trip. Anywhere in the world, anywhere you want to go. You see, he knew that travel was my love language. And it was the number one thing that I wanted to do in those years at that point in my life. And I don't think I've ever received a better perk than that at any point in my life. He understand the motivation. And he knew that I wanted to travel and that was my priority. And he always delivered on that promise. He was a brilliant leader and he followed great principles of employee motivation. So, so far... We've been talking about a lot of core motivational principles. We've been talking about the big things. So I've shared a list of a lot of things you can do for your employees, things like compensation, you know, career planning, 
But I also want you to think that there are many, many, many regular day-to-day things that you can do as a leader that are also going to motivate your employees. And we're going to talk about some of those now. But before we do, I want to remind you about one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And the feeling is what creates loyalty and connection with our employees. So here's a list of five motivation investments that you can use with your employees on a regular basis, okay? I'll run through the five first, and then I'll explain them in more detail. One, listen. Two, be consistent. Three, push them. Four, appreciate them. Five, hold their vision. So let's go through each of these more clearly. The first one is listen. So be enamored with their ideas. Be interested in their perspectives. Care about their opinions. Our core need at work is to be seen and heard. So as a leader, you're not just asked to be organized. You're asked to really honor that. The second one, be consistent. No one wants a manager who's constantly moving meetings around and changing priorities and scatterbrained. Inconsistency sends a message, and these are not the people that we want to be working for. The third is push them. And what I mean here is push them out of their comfort zone. Hold up their potential in the mirror and make them step into it. They will thank you for it forever. People will never forget who was there to prompt their growth and expansion. It's a magical feeling, and you should be lucky if they are the ones that remember you every time they think of their expansion. The fourth motivation investment is appreciate them. Remember, you can never, ever, 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 ever acknowledge too much. Give compliments. Give acknowledgments. It never gets old. It's free. You can never give too many. The fifth is hold their vision. Now, whatever their vision is, there's no one right or wrong vision. Everyone has a different vision. So find out what their vision is and hold it and encourage it, no matter how big or small, whether it's work-related or personal. It can be a career plan. It can be a qualification, a personal finance goal, a family goal. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's important to them, it should be equally important to you. So cheer them on and hold their vision. All right, let's recap those five motivation investments that you can make with your employees on a regular basis. One, listen. Two, be consistent. Three, push them. Four, appreciate them. And five, hold their vision. Okay, it's time to start wrapping up this episode on employee motivation. As always, if you're inspired by the content today, please share this episode with a friend, a colleague, or on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on my website at thecorporateyogi.com. If you want to book a time to chat with me directly, you can do that too. I would love to hear from you. 
You can book a time with me either on LinkedIn or via my Instagram. We can discuss motivation. We can discuss coaching. We can discuss anything that is that you want. And as always, please remember that any fear, any resistance that you feel that you hold deep inside of you is simply just your greatness in disguise.